If you have your Bibles with you, will you open them up to uh, 2 Peter, chapter 3, verses 1 to 7. That's 2 Peter, chapter 3, verses 1 to 7 will be the passage in which we'll be unpacking this morning. Okay, let's settle our hearts by just opening up a word of prayer. Lord, we are grateful that we were able to come and spend time in your presence I just think of that psalm that says, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. And this is where we long to be. We long to be in the presence of our Savior, to know you, to experience the riches that come with that, the joy that comes with that. And so, Lord, we pray as we unpack your word that your goodness would just shine forth and you would speak to us. You would show us Christ. You would show him clearly that you would encourage us, that we would uh, long for Jesus, long for more of him, and that we would have a a hope, a joy, and a perseverance that comes out of this, we pray. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I've got to be honest with you. Uh, I am not the biggest Christmassy type guy that you've ever met. Uh, I don't, when I say that, let me clarify what I mean by that. I, I like the season in that I like going to the beach. I like uh, lunches, gammon, I can't wait for gammon. I don't even know why we only do that really once a year. Can anyone explain that? Uh, Chris, uh, mince pies, love those. These, there's some great parts about the season, but there are things that I just don't like, and that's Christmas trees. Um, the reason why I don't like them is because my grandmother made me put them up every year when I'd rather have been outside swimming in the swimming pool. Um, I don't like carols. I don't uh, enjoy uh, those kinds of things. Christmas Eve, I don't like Santas and elves and red-nosed reindeers. I just, I, those things don't get me excited. I've got to be honest. Um, and as a result, the older I've gotten, I've become more uh, cynical towards Christmas, I have, it seems to come around quicker each year. I can't believe it's December already. And every time, I'm like, are we here again? Are we already at this time of the season? And as a result of that, I have the tendency, and maybe those of you who are like me, to forget the reason for the season a whole lot quicker. Because I don't like it. So I'm like, oh man, we're here, we're putting up trees again, and we're doing those kinds of things. I, I can't believe that we, I forget about the reason for the season. And, and the same could be true for those who love it. I mean, those of you who might love Christmas, you love Christmas trees, Alyssa's outside, I don't know if she can hear me, she's playing with my extremely tired son. Um, she absolutely loves it. She's got, the only reason why we have a Christmas tree in our house is because of her. She's got all the bells, she's got the carols, she's got planning of uh, secret Santas going on for our family and the Christmas uh, lunches and dinners, she's got it going. And, and the challenge for people who really, really enjoy that kind of stuff is that we also can forget the reason for the season. And, and just the familiar, familiarity of Christmas can mean that we sometimes can forget that. It comes around so quickly that we can forget that the Christmas is, is about Jesus coming. And we have this human tendency to, to lose the awe and wonder of it, especially if you've experienced it loads and over and over again. It's in our human nature. For those of you who are parents or, and have given your kids gifts, you will know that when you give your kids a gift, it's fantastic for the first couple of days, right? But at the end of the holiday, 
They can have already lost or don't even know where that thing is. Ask them where their last year's Christmas gifts were and see if they can find it for you. The awe and wonder of that gift in the beginning was great, but after a period of time, it disappears. It's in our human nature to forget the awe and wonder of Christmas. And this is what Peter has in mind about remembering. So let us read uh, 2 Peter 3 verses uh, 1 to 7. It says this. This is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up uh, your as, as, I am stirring up your sincere mind by a way of reminder that you should uh, remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandments of of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where's the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlook this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water, uh, out of water and through water by the word of God. And, and that by the means of these, the world uh, that then exists was de- uh, lodged uh, with water and perished. But... The same word that the heavens and the earth um, that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. So here, Peter's going, I want to stir up in you by a sincere mind, by a way of reminder. And this Christmas, that's what we want to do. We want to stir up in you by a way of reminder uh, what what Christmas is about, these basic truths. And as Christians, there's this need for us to continue on growing in our understanding of who God is, to be able to grow in theology, to uh, learn new things. But at the same time, there's this real importance for us to understand the basic truths of what Christianity is about. To go back, if you will, into the storage room of our minds and and bring forth these these old truths, these basic truths, back to the forefront of our mind. To apply it to a new situation. It's, It's not just a a mental act that he's talking about here, a, a one of just trying to remember just a truth, but rather it's a spiritual application. It's trying to apply these old truths to a new situation. My situation this time last year is vastly different to the one that I'm currently in. And so the truth of Christmas means something different to me this year. Last year I was unemployed, I didn't have a kid, I had no job on the horizon just quite yet at the stage. But this year I'm at the ridge. I've got a kid. So the the truth of Christmas and the hope that it brings, brings something different. And so there's this need for us each year when we come to Christmas, not to go, oh man, I know of this stuff. I know that Christ came. I know these things. But rather going, what are these basic truths and how do I apply them to my current situation that I'm now in? Because it's all different to to what it was last year. It was different to the year before. and, And next year it will be different again. And so he wants to stir up in us Uh, a reminder and we would do well to do the same thing and he tells us we need to do this two ways we need to be stirred up by a way of reminder two ways one um, we need to look to the holy prophets and and two we need to um, follow the commandments of God we'll look at that one more next week but when he says yeah the, the first way is by looking at the predictions or the promises of the holy prophets now when we talk about prophets here we're not talking about the guys that you'll find on God TV 
um, or Faith Channel or TBN or when he talks about that or the local guys down at Oxford Street or Cambridge Street or Buffalo Street or any other street in that area, you'll find a prophet. When he talks about prophecy and the prophets here, he's talking about those of the Old Testament. The Old Testament prophets, those who, who predicted the coming of Christ. And maybe let me just clarify, we as a church do believe and hold to the fact that one of the spiritual gifts is prophecy. We, we believe that guys can hear a word from the Lord and they can come and go, man, I believe the Lord is saying this, but it's done in such humility. It's done with a coming forward and going, man, I believe the Lord could potentially saying this and we submit that and we test that by scripture. But when he talks about here about holy prophets, he's talking about the very men who confidently stood up and says, thus says the Lord. And they were the very words of God himself. They spoke God's word and seen as scripture. And so he's saying, look back at these men, look at the promises they have made, look at the predictions they have made, because he wants to stir up faith in us by doing so. And when we do that, when we look back and we see the promises that these prophets um, have made, we see two things. We see one, that these holy prophets made promises and they have been fulfilled. And two, they have made some promises and we are still waiting for some of the fulfillment still to come. And one of these promises that uh, that God has made in Scripture and through the prophets was the coming of Christ. We see the first time that God makes this promise was in Genesis 3. He talks about how he's going to send someone who's going to crush the head of the serpents. And the whole of history, the rest of the Old Testament, that is God sovereignly moving and shaping everything so that Christ might come. He lets nations rise and nations fall. He rises up leaders and he d destroys leaders. He, gets, he molds and shapes the whole of history so that the time might be right for the coming of Christ. And part of this was the sending of prophets. He sent prophets to Israel and he says, this is what it's going to look like. He gets snippets, if you will, of what this coming of Christ is going to look like. And we're just going to look at five that have been, um, that were promised and then fulfilled. We see uh, one that in Micah 5 verse 2, it says that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. We've got a signpost that says Bethlehem this morning. That Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. We see the fulfillment of that in Matthew 2 verses 1 and 2. We see that Jesus uh, would come from the line of David in Jeremiah 23, verse 5. The performance of that is found in Matthew 1, verse 20. We see that Matthew shows how Jesus is connected to David. We see in Psalm 72, verses 10 and 11, that kings would bring him gifts. We know this from the nativity play, right? Of, um, in, we find it in Matthew 2, verses 1 to 2 and 11, that there would be those who bring him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We see in Daniel 7 verses 13 to 14 that these holy prophets predicted that he, he will reign forever. And in Luke 1 verses 31 to 33, there we see the performance of that. We see in Isaiah 7 verse 14 that Jesus would be called Emmanuel, which meant God with us. We see the performance of that in Matthew 2 verses 23. 
And so what happens is when we do what Peter has encouraged us and instructed us to do, when we look back at what the holy prophets have predicted and what they have promised about this coming of this Messiah, hundreds of years before, and we see the fulfillment of that, we have faith that is stirred up in us because we realize that our God is a promise keeper. He's a promise keeper. He has said that he would do stuff and he comes to the end and he completes it. He, he does it. He shapes history to make sure that he fulfills the promises in which he has promised. But not only do we have a stirring up of faith in us that we realize that God fulfills the things that he said he would do, but it's also a great apologetic for our faith, isn't it? When we look back at how the prophets hundreds of years before the coming of Christ predicted how he would come. And now there are some people that would say, well, Jesus was able to orchestrate those things. He, he went through the Old Testament and what he did is he saw what the prophets had said and he made sure he fulfilled them. But just three of the five that we looked at, and there are plenty more, are ones that Jesus would never be able to orchestrate. I don't know about you, but you can't choose the place where you're born, Right? Just can't do it. I was born in Stutterham Hospital. Promise you now, that's not like the grand place to be born. I didn't, I didn't sign up for that. Stutterham Hospital. Jesus could not orchestrate to be born in Bethlehem. But rather, but rather what we see is that the Romans call a census. And what happens is David, I mean not David, uh, Joseph, who's from the line of David, has to go to Bethlehem to have the to have the uh, to do the fulfill the census to be there to sign it to be there when they're counted and 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 so what happens is a mary who is nine months pregnant has to get on a donkey and ride to bethlehem it was not orchestrated because i my wife was pregnant a couple of months ago we couldn't get off the couch never mind onto a donkey to ride it wasn't chosen and god orchestrated it that it had to happen to be there Man, we see that the line of David, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. Jesus could not choose in which line he would be born in. You can choose your friends, and you, but you can't choose what they get gifts they're going to give you. Never mind organizing the fact that there was a star over Bethlehem months beforehand where these wise men would look and see the star and predict that there would be a king that is coming, bring gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, travel months on end, find out that in Bethlehem, that's where the child is born find him at that moment i mean not something that you can orchestrate it stirs a faith in us when we look back at what the holy prophets have predicted and how christ has fulfilled them because it proves that he is the messiah that he is the one that is meant to come to restore man to god and yet we see the faithfulness of god in all of this orchestrating it coming together why because he loves you and he loves me and this is where we we get to our theme of our Christmas this year. Our theme is Christmas 2.0, from cradle to king. And, and what we see here is that there are some of the predictions of the prophets that have not yet been fulfilled, that are, have not yet come. And this is mainly about the second coming of Christ. Christ has not come again yet. And, and Peter warns against this in this passage. He, he talks about how there are scoffers who are going to scoff and mock. They are saying, where is this Jesus? 
And the scoffers aren't a new thing. They're not a new thing to us today. They were 2,000 years ago they were around, and we see in Psalm 1 they were still around. They like to mock. They don't like to reason. They just like to mock, question, shout, say you're wrong. And here Peter gives us insight into why they were questioning where, where is this Jesus? When is he coming again? He says because they like to follow their own desires. They like to follow their own desires. They wanted to live after their own sinful desires rather than for Jesus. And why does, why does that mean they mock the coming of Christ? Because if Christ is coming again, if he's coming as the prophets have predicted he is coming, man, it shapes the way we live. It shapes everything. It shapes the way we live. It shapes the way we uh, pursue Christ. It shapes the way we uh, share the message with our friends and family. It shapes everything. We'll speak about more of that next week. But rather they would mock the coming of, of Christ because, man, they would live the life that they wanted to live. And so here Peter goes, but I want you to look back at the prophets. And I want you to realize that God was faithful in sending Christ the first time, that we can trust him that he's going to send Christ again. I want you to know, look how God orchestrated history for the first coming of Christ. Don't think he has forgotten. Don't think that he is not coming again. He is coming again. But there's a difference in the coming. I've tried to be, figure out the, the, the word to explain this. We've, we've used the word upgrade. There's an upgrade on his coming, but I don't know if I like that so much. But there's a grander coming of Christ. It's different. It's, it's grander in it's the way that it happens. Man, when Christ came the first time, he came as a little baby. And I've got a seven-month-old baby outside that is, won't sleep, who's completely dependent on us. If we feed him, he needs us to do it. If we need, he can't even sleep by himself. We have to kind of help him to get that right. He, he's dependent on us changing his nappy. He, he's dependent on us getting, having let him have fun. Everything he's dependent on us. And here was the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, coming as a baby who's dependent on Joseph and Mary. It's, it's a mind-blowing thing to think that the God who holds the universe together broke into time so that he might just become a baby that was vulnerable and dependent on others. This is how he came the first time. But man, the second time when he comes, he's not coming as a baby. He's coming as king. He's coming as Lord of Lords. He's, he's coming to rule, coming in his power. He's coming to establish his kingdom. He's not coming quietly. The first time he came, he just arrived in Bethlehem with a few shepherds that were around, a couple of wise men that had traveled a long distance for months on end, and maybe just those who were in the vicinity in the area would have seen that Mary had given birth. But the second time he's coming, he's coming that the whole world will see. There's a triumphant sound. There is a, there's a blowing of a trumpet. There's, there's a host of angels around. The, the saints, we will be with him. That he is going to come with a loudness. A whole world will see. Man, when Jesus came the first time, he came as Savior to seek and save the lost. But the second time he can, he's going to come. While he will be our Savior, the saving will be done, but he's coming as judge. And, and this is an exciting thing for us. For those of us who know Christ, man, this is an exciting thing to know that the Savior who would willing to come and die for us out of love is coming again to establish rule. 
He's coming as king. He's the same God, but yet he's going to come in power and rule. And what this does is it stirs up hope in our hearts. It stirs us hope because, as Mark said, our hope is not found in politicians and political parties. Our hope is not found in man or any particular person. Our hope is found, church, in Christ. That is it. That's where our hope is because people are fickle, politicians are corrupt. All of them, when they open their mouth, they speak lies. We cannot trust one of them, but what we can trust is our Savior, Jesus. That's where our hope is. Our hope is that this is not the be-all and end-all. Our hope is that this world that we live in is just temporary. It's going to be renewed when Christ comes again. Our hope is that this pain and suffering that we experience will no longer be there anymore. This is our hope. But it's not like a hope, like I hope the weather is going to be good tomorrow. This potential may be possibly, but it's a surety. Why? Because we can look back at the first Christmas and we can see the faithfulness of God, that he is a promise keeper and we can be sure that he is coming again and this is what he brings. Man, it stirs up joy in our hearts, church. There's this joy that comes knowing that one day I will see Christ face to face. It is tough being a Christian on this side of the grave. It's tough. Christ says there'll be a cost. There's a picking up of a cross. It's difficult as we, as we strain in our human nature to see Christ more and more clearly. Uh, Paul says that we see like as in a mirror dimly. We can barely make it out, but one day we will see clearly the coming of Christ. We'll see him face to face. We will be in his presence. Psalm 16 verse, uh, uh, Psalm 16 verse 10 talks about, or 11, one of the two, talks about how there's a fullness of joy in the presence of God. This is what we long for. It's a joy now, not dependent on circumstances, not dependent on our current situation, but rather dependent on the faithfulness of God that he's coming again. It stirs in us a perseverance. This life can be tough. It can be difficult. But for a Christian, man, we get to strive forward because there's a hope that is coming that is grand and brilliant. There's this hope that is coming where there will be no more suffering, no more pain, no more crying anymore. We are going to receive new bodies. I'm not wearing my brace at the moment. But man, I can't wait until my body is not fickle and breaks all the time. And I'm 28. That's a problem. But there's this glorious body in which we will receive where there will be no more pain and no more crying anymore. This is, the pers- this is the hope that we have that strives us forward in perseverance. It's the reason why Paul says in Romans 8 verse 18, For I consider the sufferings of this present time not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us. And again, we can be sure of this. Why? Because Christ came the first time. God fulfilled that, and he's coming again. And man, this is a hope and a joy and an excitement for us, knowing that the Savior that saved us is coming as king. And so what Peter and what we wanted to do this Christmas series is we wanted to make sure um, that you stir up uh, hope in your hearts by a way of reminder, remembering these things, that Christ has come and he's coming again. Because there's hope, there's joy, and there's perseverance in this. And we want you to do that. So we've got some, just some practical ways that you can do that. We've, got, we've put a sticker on your chair. I mean, this is just something very small. They're around. There's one per family or one per you. There's, there's stickers. You can do whatever you like with a sticker. I'm going to stick mine on the kettle. 
because <laughs> that's where I'm often, I like my coffee, um, so that's where I'm going to be often. And it's going to say 2.0, Jesus is coming again. I mean, not, to, not to scare you, but there's a hope in that. There's an excitement in that. Jesus is coming again. And what it does is, man, you get to just go, the difficult situations that I'm finding, the, the life that's ahead of me, Jesus is coming again. Let that stir up hope in you. Let it stir up joy in you. Let it make you persevere in your faith as you pursue Christ. You can even do things like sticky notes. We all know a sticky note. You can get sticky notes, stick them different places. Stick them in your diary, stick them on your desk, stick them on your laptop, stick them anywhere, and just remind yourself, Christmas 2.0, Jesus is coming again. But one of my things that Alyssa and I have, have started doing is, is the psalm in, in, in uh, Psalm 92 verse 2. It says the, I'll read verse 1 and 2. It says the following. It says, it is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High. And in the other verse 2, it says this, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. To declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night. What a brilliant thing to do. And to start the day in the morning to go, Lord, your love is steadfast. To declare that in the morning, to declare the fact that his love is not wavering. Your circumstances that you're going through does not change. It does not ebb and flow. His love for you is steadfast. It's enduring. It's lasting. It's deep. It's high. It's wide. It's long. It is that for you. And to declare that in your heart each and every single morning before you start the day. We try to do that. Listen, I, we try to get Malachi into the routine of um, doing a bit of a quiet time, even now. And we meet as a family. We sing a song. We pray and we read. We read our own Bibles because he doesn't understand anything quite yet. And so we just read. And, and part of the thing that we're trying to do is, Lord, your love for us today is steadfast. It is good. It is lasting. And it shapes the way you approach today. I promise you it does. The second thing is, at the end of the day, when you come to the end, stir up in yourself the faithfulness, uh, remind yourself of the faithfulness of God by night. I get, we get to come to the end of the day and we try to do two, three things. I, mean, I said two things by pointing out three fingers. We do three things. How has God been faithful today? It can be as simple as, I had a good, with a list, I had a good time with one of these kids that I thought it was going to be tough. It can be simple as I had a nice conversation with this person I don't normally do. It can be anything that you find. God has been faithful today in these things. And it's this intentional way of reminding. But you know what the beauty of this is? Is that if I've had the worst day of my life, that I can come to the end of it and there are some things that I can declare the faithfulness of God. I can come and say, God sent his son Jesus Regardless of how difficult your day might be, regardless of how hard it is, you can always declare the faithfulness of God by looking back to Christ. He's been faithful to me because he sent Christ. He sent Jesus. He's died for me on the cross. I am able to know him and enjoy him. And he's one day coming again. He is a faithful God. And we're able to stir this up in our hearts. And, and so that is just a practice that we do. It's seen in scripture, so I'd encourage you to do it as well. Stir up by way of reminder that Christ has come again and he is coming again because it stirs up hope, it stirs up joy, and it stirs perseverance. Let us pray. Lord, we are thankful that we are able to come to know you. 
I just thinking of this morning how everything we celebrate is this is the coming of God to come and save us so that we might know you, enjoy you, and one day be with you for all eternity. And Lord, I thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, that you are faithful, that you made promises thousands of years ago before the coming of Christ, but yet you had not forgotten you were shaping history for the coming of Jesus. And Lord, you have promised that you will come again. And Lord, there is hope in that, to know that we will one day be with you. Our hope is found in you, our faithful God who keeps promises. I pray that you would stir up a hope, a joy, and a faithfulness in our hearts. That we might live for the glory of Christ because this, all is not, this world is not the be-all and end-all. There is something greater than ourselves, and that is the Je- this Jesus and his kingdom. We ask that you would give us hope, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.